Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Scott as Ornan. At your service. Sabrina as Sylvie. Oh, hello. Jordan as Magram. You are most welcome. Matt as Guy. That is my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> I love it. I Gosh. love it. That's great. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Paul Rubens. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, sadly. Uh, yeah. And me, Paul, as the guy in his underwear with a serious case of swass and swasticles who's just grateful that we don't do video <laughs> whilst recording these podcasts. Well, as Campaign 2 gets rolling, just a few friendly reminders. Now would be a great time for someone new to start listening to our adventures because for some people, 116 episodes can be quite daunting. So spread the word that your favorite actual play podcast is starting a new campaign and now is the time to listen. Also, tell them to join us in our Discord server where we chat about episodes, share memes, discuss theories and spoilers and have a great time. Twitch streaming is fast approaching, so keep an eye out on the Discord for my link and the time I'll be starting. And don't forget, for bonus content, check out our Patreon. At certain levels, you can gain access to a wiki and the maps for this campaign, as well as the previous campaign, Crystal Codex. And one last thing, keep an eye out for new merch in our online shop at 12sidedguys.com. Anyway, if you're thinking to yourself, what a horrible night to have a curse, and by curse, I mean sweaty butt crack, then welcome to the party, and this podcast is for you. (laughs) It's Chorus of the Forsaken, episode two. Welcome back to the small town of Barograd. Last time we were together, our four heroes, maybe? Our four player characters. We'll just call them that for now. We'll see how they... It's, it's yet to be seen if we're going to be heroes <laughs> or not. Our four as yet to be determined actually just awoke from a shared dream. A dream of a town called Oak Road, where a, a Kenku necromancer... A, an elvish wanderer, a, a fairy, that's right, a fairy uh, artificer, and a halfling bard um, were all... Nope. <laughs> it was a sorcerer. Paul's like, that's fine. I got it. A dragonborn berserker. <laughs> and a halfling sorcerer who were all in the midst of this scheme, this scheme to um, pilfer some goods from the local temple of Kelimvor, the the god of the dead. But after days and days and even weeks of rain, in the middle of this operation where Hyuk Hyuk, James Hyuk Hyuk Bartles, as well as uh, Spritz the fairy, were keeping an eye out on the, the priest who keeps an eye out on the Temple of Kelimbor were entertaining and keeping everyone busy while Bubs the Necromancer and oh gosh I'm I got I, got, I look at their names okay. Jib so, Jab <laughs> we made it hard because they were the silliest of names yeah, Jib Jab that rolls right off the tongue Bub and Jib Jab <laughs> yes. Jib Jab and Badger while Bubs, Jib Jab, and Badger were all infiltrating the temple there was a every time you say Bubs I think you just jumped over some of my buses. 
<laughs> yes. Um, well, uh, while they were in the middle of their heist at the temple, there was a rock slide because of all the saturated ground opening up a cave underneath the temple. Now, this priest who was overseeing the temple of Kelimvor shooed everyone away and set up an alarm. But in the middle of the night, she came rushing back into the inn and warned you all that there was a young girl named Loida who actually had gone into the cave and you all scrambled to go and help get her out. When you went into this cave underneath the temple, it actually went down deep under the earth into an ancient crypt. And after fighting some spiders and some skeletons, you all came upon this scene of this uh, elaborately decorated, uh, rich looking crypt with armor and weapons off to the side, some paintings that were ruined, and Loida standing in front of this crypt attempting to push the lid off. As uh, attempts were made to stop her, including a knife that was thrown, um, she still pushed the lid off of the sarcophagus. She had it coming, to be fair. <laughs> Causing um, some kind of a maelstrom of light and sound and wind that all coalesced into a flash and then snap open all of the eyes of our characters who are here in the town of Barograd. After having this shared dream, I believe one of you took a potion, um, one of you paced and collected your breath, um, a couple of you kind of got up, looked in the mirror, um, just, just tried to steady yourself after such a strange dream. For even though it was a dream and you were all sleeping or trancing, it did not feel like a normal dream. And at this point, we are going to start in the morning. So in the town of Barograd, there is a small but very well-liked tavern and inn called the All the Way Inn. <laughs> <laughs> As the sun peeks up over the horizon, um, over the, uh, the tall... Uh, pine and fir trees that uh, dot the landscape around Barograd. Um, you see in the All the Way Inn um, some people bustling about and actually um, doing some preparation for the morning. You see that there is a small uh, gnomish woman with gray hair, or sorry, like pink and purple hair and gray skin. Uh, who is working in the kitchen getting some uh, breakfast prepared. Some bacon is frying, some, uh, I guess, coffee is being made. Um, she is making some eggs and she's cutting up some meat uh, and, uh, and getting some bread ready for the morning rush. While her young son, um, another small gnome, obviously, with uh, purple hair and gray skin, is wandering around, kind of uh, moving around cups, helping out here in the bar and behind the bar, getting everything ready for um, for the day's uh, rush of people looking for some of the local delicacies that they have here at the All the Way Inn. We see Scott. Who do we see? You see a deep gnome. He's got dark purple hair. At his temples, he has some braids that he pulls back and he ties the rest of his hair into a ponytail with those braids. Three foot, seven inches tall. One of the notable features is his left arm is missing from the elbow down. And, you know, his shirt is kind of pinned up to, to cover that. He's a little portly, you know, a little out of shape, but uh, it looks like he can, he can hold his own. Uh, and right now he's just wearing uh, regular tavern clothes, you know, just your everyday uh, bartender attire. 
So you see, um, you see these gnomes are all getting the inn ready. You uh, see the young one, the the young boy. He comes up to the uh, the gnome behind the counter. He comes to Scott's character. He says, "Uncle Ornan, do the forks go on the left or on the right? I can't remember." Well, um, I think you put them on the left, but um, Uncle Uncle Ornan, Uncle Ornan, which hand, which one is my left? Well, first you hold both of your hands out, just kind of as far forward as you can, and you stick your thumbs out, and you put both of those in your ears. <laughs> oh, Uncle Ornan. Oh, oh you. Right, he goes back to setting tables. You can see there are a couple of people already in for the day. Um, you see like a man and a woman who are sharing a table, um, just waiting for some food to be served. You also see at one of the tables sitting by himself, you see a well-dressed older man. Um, Ornan, you would recognize him. How, first off, Ornan, how long have you been in Barrowgrad, would you say? Um, at least 10 years. Okay. Ornan, you would, rec- you would recognize this older man sitting by himself uh, for the last probably month and a half or two months. Um, every morning, or actually every evening, the steward of the castle... His name is Edmund. He has been staying the night here at the All the Way Inn. Um, he takes his meals early in the morning and then he leaves. Um, normally, you would know that he had been living at the castle here, um, at Grimley Castle in the town of Berigrad. The, the castle is not large. It's not even necessarily well kept. But the, um, the knight who kind of oversees this tract of land for the Baron um, is... Uh, uh, this is his steward who helps him keep his books as well as um, uh, other household things there up at the castle. But lately he's been coming to the All the Way Inn. Uh, I would imagine you guys have had a, a conversation or two and he is sitting here uh, sipping on a, a nice warm tea waiting for some food before he heads off back up to the castle. As you are working behind the counter, um, we see another figure um, here on the first floor kind of stretch their arms, climb out of bed. Um, We'll say after the dreams of last night, nobody got good sleep um, after that that dream that you all had unknowingly shared. Um, But we see a figure come creeping out of the, not creeping, we see a a figure coming out of their room, um, walking down the hall, heading in towards the common room, and we see Sabrina. What do we see? So you see a three foot one gnome, a forest gnome uh, with long, dark brown hair that's tied back into this long braid that goes almost all the way down um, to her hip. Although I guess that's not very far because again, she's <laughs> three, three foot. Um, she's wearing these soft green brown leathers and on her side is a, um, like a redwood flute and, uh, yeah, that's, that's Sylvie. Nice. Um, Sylvie comes down out of the hallway and, um, the way that this inn is set up, the, uh, sort of the Eastern half is where the, the bedrooms are as well as the upstairs. And then the, the Western half is the, the dining and the bar and the, and the kitchen. Um, so Sylvie, I, I imagine you come out of this hallway of bedrooms and start heading towards the West into the common area. You can see Ornan behind the bar. Uh, and then you can also see a couple of other people there in the common room who are eating. Sylvie, how long have you been in Barograd? I've been here for about a month or so at this point. Okay. 
So you've probably had some conversations with the folks here in the bar as well. Um, as you come walking into the common room, you see the the woman um, gnome with the... Uh, uh, her name is Gemma. As she comes wandering out of the kitchen with an arm armload full of, um, like a tray full of plates of food, as she comes walking out, she spots you, Sylvie, and she says, Ah, oh, Sylvie, are you going to finally play for us? Give us some entertainment this morning? And then she kind of walks further into the common room to start handing out food. Oh, oh, good good morning, Mrs. Gemma. Uh, uh, yes, um, I, I would love to play, but maybe I could get a little bit of uh, a breakfast first, you know? No don't want to perform on an empty stomach. <laughs> like, oh, well, come on in and have a seat. Have a seat. There's there's some eggs and some bacon here for you. And then she um, sets down a plate for you, um, I guess, at the bar. And then she moves back into the kitchen. Sylvia unloads up, like, an inordinate amount of food for how small she is. <laughs> <laughs> She's got this super fast metabolism. And just starts digging in. All right. And as you are digging into your breakfast, Sylvie, um, we see a third person. This one is coming down the stairs from upstairs. Um, the um, the all the way in um, has two floors and wandering down the stairs coming for their breakfast, we see Jordan. Who do we see? Yeah, so there's a tall, older human. Um, his head is shaved bald. Uh, he's got a little bit of some stubble growth and a salt and pepper mustache. Um, he wears this black leather outfit with a black leather kind of trench coat um, and this white. Is it is it patent leather? Would you call him a leather daddy? I was just going to say a leather daddy. Is there a harness? Uh, <laughs> no. Does no. he got a collar on? No, so he... He uh, has a very stern expression on his face. He has kind of this sunken feature set, these deep set eyes that are kind of a, a an almost light brown amber kind of hue to them. And you see these deep scars on his cheek and on the top of his head. He has a small kind of satchel with him and you can faintly hear the kind of tinkling together of little glass vials that he keeps in there. Uh, he's a man that looks like he is generally always on a mission of some sort, um, moving with a lot of purpose and a perpetual scowl on his face. And he walks down the stairs from the second floor, kind of rounds the corner and starts heading into the common room and actually walks up to Ornan at the bar and uh, would go and ask him a few questions before sitting down, if that's possible. If we want to go to that point. Hey, go, yeah, go for it. Go for it. All right, cool. Um, he walks up and he's like, uh, good morning. I was wondering if you know of anybody who deals in the alchemical components. Is there anybody in the town who might be able to sell some components or who is a purveyor of such goods? Paul? Yes. Would I know any sort of answer to that question? So, um, here's what you would know right off the bat. There is somebody who does a lot of like herbs and that kind of thing, um, who is a little over closer. The way that Berigrad is situated is the majority of the town is on the west side of this river. And then a smaller section is on the east side. And there's this big long bridge that goes across the river. It's a it's a wooden bridge, but it's about 15 feet wide. So like wagons can come across it and stuff. It's, it's really the only crossing of this river um, this far down uh, 
uh, this far to the west in the barony of uh, of Alaron, which is why Beregrad even exists. But there is a um, there is a house uh, that is close to the um, to the bridge that does do herbs and um, and other kind of plants like that. However, um, you wouldn't necessarily call them an expert on any kind of um, like uh, any kind of herb. There's also there is a, a temple of Shantea, who is the like the goddess of like growing like uh, planting and gardens that kind of thing and there is a temple of shantea but that's um usually more of like the harvest as opposed to like ingredients for whatever spells or not spells sorry ingredients for potions and that kind of thing okay well you're we do have a local herbalist but your best bet's probably a bigger city than this one uh this is fine i i just need to restock some of my own uh supply of things uh, breakfast does not typically agree with me, but do you have any hard cheese and perhaps a sausage I could take with me for the road? Sure. His bacon is delicious, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all try it. Hmm. Would you like a banger in the mouth? <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm sure that can be arranged. There's you got hard sausages and you've got some, some cheese and things, uh, some bread. As you guys are having this conversation... Oh, first off, uh, Mogram. How long have has Mogram been in Baragrad? Yeah, so Mogram's been around for maybe just over a week. He okay. tends to move around a fair amount. Um, you know, I didn't mention it, but slung kind of over his back, just underneath one of the one of the like folds of his trench coat that kind of has like one of those half capes that kind of covers the upper shoulders and back. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see a plague mask kind of you know hanging out and so he he gets his living moving from town to town you know as a kind of traveling doctor and plague doctor okay well as you guys are having this conversation everyone's kind of meeting up here in the bar we are going to jump across town a little bit to the east and further north to silvercrest manor this is the i was going to call it the largest building in town but it's definitely not the largest building in town uh, the castle is probably the largest, followed by a massive cathedral that is, it's kind of odd that there's this massive cathedral here in this very small town. And we can get to that history uh, as, it, as it comes uh, up in the story. But the Silvercrest Manor is a relatively new construction, but a very nice manor house. And we go to a small servant's quarters on the first floor on the north side. There is... Um, a small bed, there is a chest, there's a wardrobe, there's a little armor stand, and there is two doors in this room, and the occupant of this room would know that one of the doors goes out into the hallway, which then can get you out of the building. The other door actually goes into a basement, which is used for storage. And sitting on the bed, we see... Matt, who do we see? Okay, so you see... I think I described him previously. You see a stupidly handsome male elf about 25 uh well looks to be about 25 he's got a lean muscular build he's about six feet tall um he's got like it's 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 gross just how attractive this guy is uh he's got um like almost like an olive complexion he's got these loose brown curls um about meat and the medium length hair and brown eyes. And he's got pointed ears because he is an elf. Technically, he's an Aladrin at this point. Sitting on the bed, completely naked, <laughs> contemplating <laughs> getting out of bed. Um, 
and he uh, so he stands and he begins. Oh, sorry. I did. He also has like that perfect like stubble facial hair that just looks. I'm not doing a good job of describing him. <laughs> you're doing fine. Does he have that vicious V there? I can't believe you're going to make Sylvie travel with such like an attractive like person. She's like so young and inexperienced. She's just making <laughs> her so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got he's got the V. Yes, he's got the abs and the V and all that. Um, he doesn't look he doesn't look exceptionally strong, but he's lean, right? He's got that you know de- defined muscle. And uh, so he he gets out of bed, uh, and he's extra troubled because he had a dream, and he's uh, he doesn't sleep. He trances as an elf, and so dreams are uncommon for him. At least at least nightmares like what he had. Um, so he's kind of shaking himself out of that and he starts to get dressed when he, his, the typical clothes that he wears are, um, uh, tight leather pants. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and he wears like a blue striped, like tunic with almost like the puffier sleeves. Like you would see all I can think of is what was his name? Prince Edward from, uh, Enchanted. Oh yeah. But not quite that, not that big and puffy, but just, you know, um, and you said there was an armor stand. There is some. There is some older, but still nice-looking armor on that stand, which includes some like brigandine, like a brigandine breastplate, and a uh, a, a visored uh, salet helm with kind of the, uh, the the flare in the back, and with with a big gold feather. Well, quick question. So you you mentioned the the, the shirt. For the leather pants, are we talking like Goblin King David Bowie leather pants? <laughs> those were leather. I swear those were like those were like sweatpants, like super tight, I, I, sweat, thin sweatpants, oh, like were cloth leather. pants. Are you were sure they, they were leather? I'm sure it wasn't body paint. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're like a tan. They're like tan, and they're 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 snug, but they're not like I gotcha. They're not you know body paint. Well, as you are pulling up your pants, there is a small knock on the door, the door that goes out into the hallway. I'll, uh, I'll uh, leave it. Leave them unfastened and go answer the door. <laughs> what is your body language as you answer the door? Uh, my body language is I know who this is, or I'm assuming I know who this is, and so um, my body language is kind of leaning up against the door, like I'm in a Calvin Klein ad. <laughs> 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 the door opens um, as you go to answer it, and there is standing on the other side, not who you expected. There is an older tabaxi man. He has sort of uh, this tan and orange uh, fur with some black linings, a white muzzle, but he also has like extra hair hanging down along his jawline, um, like little white tufts hanging down, sort of like a sort of like those guys who have like the really long sideburns that like hang down, but they don't do like the, the goatee part of the beard. Like that's kind of what it looks like, but it's very well manicured. Oh, like the sideburns that go clear down your neck. Yes, yes. And like but, on and, the but, sides of your Adam's apple. <laughs> yes, but as a tabaxi, yes. Um, you recognize this um, this man. He, his name is Percy. Um, he is the butler here in Silvercrest Manor. Um, as the door opens, he, oh, uh, uh, pardon me, Sergi. Um, but the lady of the house wishes to speak with you uh, in the library. I will leave you to dressing. And then he starts walking away down the hall. I will say as soon as I saw that it was Percy, my body language changed and I started like, you know, fastening up the pants and all that. Um, okay, so I'll go. Um, 
I won't put on the armor, but I will put on everything else. And I'll even attach, like put on my sword belt, which has a bastard sword on it. And um, also on, has a, there's this uh, kind of old red leather um, book as well that is kind of a, um, hung on one side of the belt as well. Okay. And I'll go in and see the, uh, I'll go head to the library. Okay. Awesome. So as you head out into the hallway um, of Silvercrest Manor, you know that there's a door right across the... So you're in like this servant's room on the first floor, which the rest of the servants don't sleep on the first floor. They sleep up on the second floor. And you get the impression that this servant's room actually is just kind of like a storage room that they put a bed in and made room for you. Um, right across the hall is the doorway into like kind of the latrines. Like there's there's literally toilets right across the right across the hallway from you. Um, so not the best place in the house, but you are right next to one of the back doors. So you can get out of the building really, really easily. But as you move down the hall and into the um, kind of into the foyer, um, you can see that the ground, the floor is this uh, green and yellow uh, intricate tile work. There are these nice rugs laid out. Um, there is um, a grand staircase that goes up to the second floor. Um, and you can see there are um, hallways going to the kitchen. There are doors going to a dining room. You can see you can see that there is the door to the library as well as another like a drawing room down here. Um, you can also see that there are a few figures moving about this area of the house, including a small halfling older woman with a very stern expression. Um, I don't know if you would know her name not but um she, i wouldn't pay attention to the help's name <laughs> okay yeah so she kind of she glances over at you and uh you don't need a perception check to hear like a <laughs> as you uh as you move past her and into the library uh, which is kind of down on the southeast corner of the building as you walk it which actually it's right next to the the grand entrance to this house but as you walk into the library you can see it's it's a library in basically in name only it's um about 20 feet by by 30 feet there are bookshelves along one wall there's a big fireplace on one wall and then there are these um these uh plush leather sofas and chairs in here as well as like a small little Tea set. This is where um, the lady of the house, Nalira Silvercrest, likes to spend some of her days. Um, normally, this is not where you spend time with Nalira. I'll leave it no. at that. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> the door to the library is open. Um, as you walk in, you see Nalira sitting on one of these couches. She has a book in her hands. Um, and I'll let you make either perception or insight or whatever check you want to make as you are here in the room um, all alone with Nilira with the open door behind you. All right. I got a dirty 20 on my perception. Hey, with your dirty 20 on your perception, um, she is looking down. So dirty. <laughs> well, as you walk in, she is looking down at this book um, and um, you see her finger moving on the page. Um, but it looks like she's moving it down the page and then back up like she's moving the, her finger along the page as if she's reading. But you get the distinct impression she's not actually reading. Uh, maybe her her mind is elsewhere as she sits here with this book and you walk in and she does not acknowledge you. Okay, so as I walk in, I will, um, again, take that, that same sexy pose on the doorframe as I shut the door behind me. Okay. As you go to shut the door, you can see that standing like um, uh, across the way, um, fixing some like towels and stuff on a little table, you see Percy the butler and he just kind of shakes his head as the door closes. <laughs> 
So I'll let the I'll let the door close a little louder to kind of get her attention so that she looks up and she sees me there. Okay, she she looks up and she sees you and she kind of gives you a smile. With your dirty 20 perception, you see it is not the same smile that you are used to getting from Nalira. Lady Silvercrest, you requested my presence? Yes, I I did, Guy. Um Guy, have a seat, please. I will sit on the chair across from her, not next to her on the couch. You have been in a, a guest in my home for how long now? I believe it's almost been three months. And in all that time, um, have I asked anything of you? I mean, besides the obvious. Oh, I should probably describe Nalira. Nalira is in her late 50s. Um, she, is, she has this jet black hair. Um, she is thin. She dresses very nicely. She has some wrinkles, but she has this elegance about her. You can tell that um, she's an attractive older woman. She's MILF. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she asked you. She says, and all that time, have I asked you for anything besides the obvious? I mean, aside from, obviously, the, the rules of the house, no, you haven't. I... I have a favor. I, I need you. I start to unbutton my shirt. <laughs> she, says, she pulls out a letter and puts it on the table in front of her. She says, my son is coming to visit, and I would have you go meet him on the road and escort him back here to Beragrad. Oh, your son. Um, you did not, were not aware of any family. Oh my god, he doesn't know he has a stepson now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the nature of our relationship. And <laughs> 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 so your your son. This is I'll, I'll say this is something this is a topic that that Guy has never broached uh with Nalira. So, I mean, it was kind of could, there could have been children or not. So she slides this note across to you and she says, yes, he's coming. He sent this letter. It arrived um, yesterday. But as far as I can tell, he should be arriving today um, with a caravan from the east. I would have you go and meet him and uh, make sure that no harm comes to him. And I would have you get to know him. Introduce him as daddy. <laughs> this, is, this is where I start to go. <laughs> she goes, no, 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 no. Um, I'll be frank. I have not seen my son in a decade. And I do not know why he comes back now. I would have you get to know him. I would have you find out what his plans are in coming back to Beragrad after so long. And I would have you report back to me. That can be arranged. Am I to go on foot, or is there um, a horse from the stable that I could borrow for this journey? I don't know. I don't know much about travel. I haven't traveled in years, but um, I assumed you had some sort of conveyance yourself. Uh, but I guess go by foot. By foot it is. I shall um, grab a quick bite, and I'll hit the road. I wouldn't go alone, just so you know all the rumors I hear. and It's dangerous to go alone, I know. Oh, and this letter, I'll, I'll take this. Yeah, you, yeah she, she left the letter for you to take. I, I was making a Zelda joke. Oh. <laughs> it's dangerous <laughs> to go alone, it. I'll take oh, this. Oh, gosh, yes. <sighs> yes. She says, yes, and I can't help but think of my, my poor husband out there and what befell him. So, and then she reaches over, she puts a hand on your hand. She says, please, my gi, be safe. Then she pulls her hand away, grabs her cup of tea and says, you're dismissed. <laughs> And we are going to cut back over 
to the all the way in. Now on the first floor, it is, um, we have got basically right where we left off. We have um, Ornan serving drinks. We've got Sylvie at the bar eating her breakfast, scarfing it down. We've got Magram uh, waiting for some cheese and some meat. As the, well, actually first, is there anything anybody wants to say to each other before we kind of move along? I mean, I don't think anything specific, but Sylvie would definitely, you know, say hi to Or. What is it? Ornum? Ornan. Ornan. And would, uh, you know, because I'm assuming they kind of know each other, would probably chat casually yeah. with him. Yeah. Now, they're two so. different kinds of gnomes, right? Yes. They're both gnomes, but different kinds. Okay. Ornan is a deep gnome. Yeah. Sylvie's a forest gnome. But she's not prejudiced. <laughs> As you guys are talking and just kind of eating your meals, Magram, I imagine you're about to turn around and head into town as suddenly the door opens and you see three figures file in. You see a dwarf with red hair. He's got a long beard. Um, He's got... um, Well, he's armored. Um, You can see he's got armor on, like a chain shirt, but um, it's the kind of armor that ends like a... like basically like a, a, a what's the like a t-shirt style sleeve not like a long sleeve but not like not like a cap sleeve what's the in-between sleeve like a jersey sleeve i don't know three three quarter three quarter sleeve let's just say three quarter sleeve um you can see that it ends there and um but he's got like large muscles you can see he's got um an axe at his waist um actually no he's got an axe across his back um and you see following behind him you see this thin um, this thin, dark-haired human uh, come walking in. He is also dressed in armor. He's got sword uh, at his, uh, actually, a sword across his back as well. And you see, following behind, you see this um, this young, silver-haired um, elven woman come walking in. Um, something about the thin man with the dark hair and then the silver-haired elven woman, they both have like tattoos on their faces, uh, wavy lines and that kind of thing that kind of look like fire or flame. Uh, the dwarf does not, but you instantly recognize three inquisitors or acolytes of Aona, the goddess of um, sort of purging of evil. They call her Aona, the eternal flame. Now, anyone who has been here in Berigrad for any amount of time knows that within the last month, there were four Inquisitors who came into town. There has been a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of rumor going around about these Inquisitors and what they're doing here and why they're here. The Church of Aeona, while not um, unknown in these parts, really doesn't have a, hasn't had like a foothold this far out into the wilderness. And now all of a sudden there are four Inquisitors, four acolytes, four uh, missionaries of Aeona, if you if you will, who have come into town. And for the last month, they have been... Remember I said there's this large cathedral in town? Well, let's talk about the history of that cathedral for a little bit. Uh, that cathedral, uh, nobody's quite sure who actually built it first or who it was dedicated to um, or whatnot. But um, it has kind of gone from different deity to different deity. Different um, clerics and um, and uh, organizations have um, have utilized that cathedral. It has been rededicated multiple times. And honestly, what the rumor is that it's just too big for a town this size. The cathedral is older than the town. But recently what happened was um, the, um, the Church of Shantea, this uh, 
the goddess of, of growing things and gardening and that kind of thing, the harvest, um, moved out of that cathedral because it was just too big. They built their own smaller chapel. And now these uh, Aeonian inquisitors have moved in. For the past month, they've been making it their own. And now, for the first time, anybody here in town has seen them, well, at least three of them, all together. I want Ornan and Magrim to make either perception or insight checks. And uh, Sylvie, I just want to know how you're feeling. Uh, I'm feeling pretty full, first of all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so when the Inquisitors come in, uh, Sylvie will be kind of quiet, sort of stop eating and try to make herself even smaller than she already is. It's very clear that these people make her nervous. Okay. Why don't you make a perception check as well, Sylvie? It looks like we had insight checks from Magram and Ornan, um, but let's have you make a perception check, Sylvie. All right. Let's see. That is a 18. Wow. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the insight checks first. So Magrim, what did you get? Yeah. So Magrim rolled a 13 for his insight check. Okay. Magrim, as you are looking at the, um, these newcomers who have just wandered into town, um, you actually see that one of them, sorry, I have things written down in lots of different places. You mean you're not making this up off the top of your head? I thought you would have had it all memorized by now. Yeah, he makes these tokens as they come on the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I am literally making tokens all the time. He is God. (laughs) Well, I can't see anything, so I'm just taking your word for it that there's tokens here. Well, you know what? The the listeners can't see anything either, so... Magram, you look at these Inquisitors, and the first thing that you notice with your 13 uh, insight, um, it looks to you like... The Church of Aeona has different sects, different organizations, different um, different groups. Kind of like how the Catholic Church has like Franciscans and Jesuits, um, etc. Um, the um, the Aeonian Church also has different sects, and it looks to you uh, just from looking that um, the dwarf is from a different group than the other two, the ones who have tattoos on their faces, um, and um, uh, Magram, I'll also say with your 13, you notice uh, some scarring on the dwarves' arms and across his neck. They look like um, they look like cuts, like old old like uh, blade uh, cuts and and slashes that have that have healed up. Ornan, what did you get with your insight? Ornan got a 17, and I'm specifically curious which um, which. Uh, sex these people would be from within the Aeonan church. Okay. Well, with your 17, um, you, you're not sure about the dwarf, but instantly you know that the, the tall, thin man with the, or thinner man with the dark hair and the tattoos on his face, as well as the, um, the elvish woman with the silver hair and her tattoos, that they are definitely of the Vantorian sect. Cool. Um, the idea of, the tattoos, the the kind of the flame motif. Um, you, you you would know looking at them that more than likely they have a lot more tattoos than just the ones on their faces, and that that's that's what you go with your insight. Ornan instinctively like pulls his sleeve, his right he like adjusts his sleeve so that it's uh, covering anything that might be visible. Okay, okay, cool. Um, we'll say Sylvie with your perception of eighteen, you see Ornan react 
as they come wandering in, but you see other people react as well. You see um, the the man and woman who are in here kind of sharing a meal. They kind of take a couple bites and they kind of lock eyes and then they quickly both um, stand up and they depart. They are no longer in the inn. And you notice that the steward named Edmund, who is sitting there by himself, the older man who works at the castle, uh, you see him glance uh, kind of side-eyed at the three of them and then just kind of put his head back down, but like not looking up at all anymore and just eating food. So it's like he's purposefully just kind of ignoring everything going on around him as he eats. Um, the presence of these three Aeonan inquisitors, these, these acolytes of Aeona, has not gone unnoticed. As you are all standing there, you see Gemma come wandering back out of the kitchen. She glances over at you still and she says, come on, let's hear some of your music. We've been waiting. <laughs> and as, right as she, right as she says that, in wanders uh, looking for some breakfast. This disgustingly, disturbingly handsome elvish man in um, in goblin. I wouldn't King say dis, 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 disgustingly, <laughs> disturbingly. I said stupidly handsome. Oh, stupidly handsome! The stupidly handsome, just elvish the most man. gruesomely handsome man I've ever seen. <laughs> just grotesquely handsome. I have actually donned the armor and I'm holding the helmet under my arm and I actually have a like a painted blue heater shield that's on a strap on my back. Oh, and I also wear a navy blue cloak, like traveling cloak. I'm very heavy on the blues. I like blue. Nice. Um, yeah, you, you come wandering in. Um, we'll say you see this scene as you come wandering in, Guy. Um, the, uh, the Inquisitors all made a scene. Guy, are you known to the inn, to the all the way in? Is this somewhere you'd come often? Yeah, but I don't think you'd often see me coming in full, you know, armor. I'd always have my, my sword belt on, but I don't know if I'd often come in full armor. Okay, awesome. Yeah, you come wandering in and you see these folks. Gemma is kind of cajoling Sylvie, saying, let's get your flute out. You've had plenty to eat now. Oh, well, yeah, yes, I can, I can do that. Um, yes, Miss Gemma, um, absolutely, of course. And Sylvie will kind of very slowly and reluctantly kind of grab out her, her flute. And um, she has kind of like this, probably like three and a half, maybe four foot staff that she carries with her. And she'll kind of set that behind the bar and, and head up to, I guess, wherever uh, the performing stage is. There isn't one. It's just okay. standing, in front of the, standing in front of the fireplace. There's two fireplaces. There's two hearths here in the, uh, in the all the way in, one on the east wall, one on the west wall here in the common room. And you just kind of pick a spot and start playing. Sylvie will pick the spot as far away from uh, these inquisitors as possible. Okay. As I come in, do I, do I, um, you can make a perception check. Yeah, sure. Okay. I rolled a 10. You rolled a 10. Okay. Uh, as you come wandering in, you notice you, you do spot the inquisitors, which you, I mean, you've been in town for a while. Um, you've probably seen them in ones and twos every once in a while, just moving around town, but not like together. Um, uh, let's see who had Ornan. I'll say you with your insight as well. Um, your 17 insight. It seems to you that maybe these inquisitors have finished some, something at the cathedral, which is why they're all kind of coming out in force. Like maybe they were hollowing it or something. So they were dedicating it. And now that process is over. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, Guy, I think you kind of, with your 10, you sense kind of an unease right now. 
as Gemma, this deep gnome, is cajoling this forest gnome into playing a flute that it seems like she does not want to play. (laughs) (laughs) Has she ever played the flute in the tavern before? Oh, for sure. Yeah, like she's been here for a month. So she she does play just not as often as you would expect. Uh, okay. And definitely not as willing as most uh, most bards tend to be. Okay. But maybe she's humble. I was thinking it was like when we were in like fifth grade band and like grandma and grandpa are here. Go get your trumpet. Play that song that you like. Let's go band. Let's go band. Where it's not even the melody. It's just like a random line. In the song. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Awesome. Well, while while that's happening, uh, Guy will make his way up to the bar. Like again, keeping keeping the uh, um, inquisitors on uh, one end of the room and heading up to the bar toward uh, Ornan and and Magram. Are we on a first name basis? I call you Barkeep. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Magram is keeping his back to these inquisitors and trying not to like uh, attract attention to himself. But like he he turns towards the bar and he looks down and he's got this wand that's kind of tucked into his belt and he kind of carefully and quickly moves it off of his belt and slides it into a pocket on the inner side of his left um, trench coat inner lining um, because he just doesn't want that to be out invisible. As as I come up, I'll say, barkeep, I'll take some breakfast. I'm also looking for some. uh, I'm going to be hitting hitting the road, and I was wondering if you could point me toward any um, resources for finding um, able bodies to accompany me. You need able bodies to accompany you on the road? Well, it's just for a day trip. I'm, I'm fetching um, a traveler who's with one of the caravans and then um, escorting them back into town. It won't be um, too exciting or dangerous, but never safe to travel the roads alone. <laughs> and you will be back tonight, right? Like, he, he's supposed yeah. to arrive today anyway, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I probably could not accompany you on the return journey, but I would be happy to go with you on the way. I am also on my way out of town, apparently. Apparently. Oh, is, it the, uh, is it the lamplighters back there? You would know lamplighters is slang for inquisitors. It's, it's, it's slang because, um, because uh, they light people on fire. <laughs> like, <laughs> they burn people at the stake. And so... Um, but not necessarily these inquisitors. They are known to do that to heretics and witches and um, people deemed dangerous. And so they call them lamplighters. I mean, obviously there's a tension in this room and I don't like being in the presence too much either. This is all hush, hush. Um, yes. I don't like being in the presence either, but uh, it's have to do with them. I wouldn't blame you if it did. I, I just, I prefer to practice my craft a little bit away from these types of individuals. If you understand my meaning. Um, no, I 100% do. And then I might actually, um, Guy actually knows thieves can't. And so I'm going to try to kind of give a little bit of a signal, um, to Magrim, um, basically to say something to the effect of, um, I am, I'm in the business of avoiding the Inquisition as well. And see if he'll pick up on that. So why don't I? Who do you think should make that check? Should that be you, um, Guy, or should that be Magram? Should that be like an insight check on Magram's? Side? I think it almost be like an intelligence or insight, maybe with disadvantage because I'm using a specific like coded language. Yeah, let's uh, let's say difficulty fifteen. Make a just an intelligence check. 
Magram. Okay. Uh, difficulty 15. Intelligence. No, not difficulty. Sorry, difficulty 12. That's, yeah. Okay. Would that be something Ornan would be familiar with as well because of his background? You mean, okay, Ornan, you're sitting there listening too. Why don't you go ahead and you make the intelligence check as well? Ornan is not a very bright individual. <laughs> <laughs> and Mogram is a little bit bright, but he only rolled an eight. So he did not uh, figure it out. Gotcha. So you're, you're being a little too obtuse. I imagine, Guy, that you, you pick up on that, but you also would know that maybe, maybe you've been as blatant as you care to be right now, especially with the lamplighters here in the room with you. Um, yeah. And I think, I think the thieves can't like is, is less, it's less spoken words and it's maybe even more like actions. Like let's say that this, the sign would be that I come in with my traveler's cloak and I sit down before then I stand up and take my traveler's cloak off and hang it or something like that. Just some little sign that people in the know would, would, would recognize, but is subtle enough that, Somebody else, you know, wouldn't. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that makes sense for sure. And and Mogram would not have picked up on that. Then he's just kind of oblivious to it. Yeah. How far out of the town are you headed? Uh, just I'm taking the east road out until I meet the caravan. They're supposed to arrive today, so I imagine probably no more than uh, ten miles out and ten miles back. It'd be a pretty long day, but not impossible. Gemma steps up and she's like, oh, you're going out to meet the caravan. She turns to you, Orna, and she says, yeah, we've got some supplies that are coming in on the caravan, too. I was Ornan looking at Gemma and then like eyeing the Inquisitors. He says, I think it might be a good idea for me to head out there, too. Just to, you know, check up on things. Well, I think we should not leave all at once. (laughs) Well, while you guys are talking, Sylvie is uh, breaking out her flute and starts playing some truly questionable notes at first. <laughs> let's let's see that performance check. Like yes. well, at first it is very like jarring and uh just kind of like chippets. Um <laughs> but then after a couple minutes of sort of almost warming up, um I'm gonna cast silently kind of cast a minor illusion here. And have just sort of some nice flute music playing behind me, but I'm going to start moving. I'm going to, I'm going to driving crooner it. So you have rolled a performance <laughs> check. So how bad does it start for uh, Sylvie? That was a five. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it starts out with some hot cross buns on a recorder. Oh my gosh. Um, and Guy is singing along. One a penny, two a penny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> As, as you are playing and as you do this minor illusion, um, the inquisitors in the room are not paying any attention. The steward actually gets up and he walks out. At some point, he is done with his meal and heading off to the castle. Um, uh, I would like Ornan, Magrim, and Guy to all make insight checks or uh, investigation or perception, just something to see if you spot the subtle weavings of Sylvie's um, her magic. Gee rolled a 14. Ornan got a 12. And Mogram got a 25. Uh, got a natural 20. I'm normally a lot better at this. I'm just really nervous. Yeah, uh, I think that Gee and um, I would say Gee and uh, um, 
uh, Ornan don't notice, but Magram, you you can almost hear the split second that it goes from actually playing to the minor illusion. Like you can you can tell, and I I would assume that you kind of like glance over at Sylvie and you see you see her playing and you recognize that um, she is definitely augmenting her skill. Yeah. Uh, under his breath, Mogram's going to kind of say to himself, he's like, careful, little one, careful. Okay. Um, so quietly enough that even Guy sitting right next to you or Ornan across the bar would not necessarily hear you? Yeah, I think so. As, as we have a guy in armor with a big shield on his back and a big yellow feather on his helmet, he's not necessarily wearing the helmet it's right now. It's gold. It's a, a golden, golden feather. Golden, golden feather. <laughs> next, sitting next to a guy in black leather, um, Kino, this little boy, this little gnome, uh, this little deep gnome comes wandering up and he's like, is, should I, are, we, are we wearing costumes today? Should I go get a costume on too? Is it, is it, a, is it a holiday? Costume. <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean... What are you talking about? <laughs> this like, is so that when the blood splatters, it does not stain my shirt. And my clothing is so, peop, is so that people may know that I am a, uh, a defender of... of uh, yeah, it's a costume. <laughs> he's, all, he's all cool costume and and blood <laughs> he's like one of those kids like he's like cool all right and he kind of wanders off uh Gemma calls him i want to see more blood all right Ornan pours ghee a free drink and nods and says thanks for that i uh i was worried what you both would say <laughs> so um, magram does not get a drink but ghee does well magram <laughs> likes ter- like almost terrified the kid <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome magram's right. gonna turn to ghee and say at what time do we want to depart i should grab some things from my room before we depart yes on i mean sure you can go grab your things now honestly i would just like to finish putting these bangers in my mouth <laughs> and then i'll be ready to go <laughs> well, if, if I'm going to accompany you, I, I should probably go get changed first. All right. And we'll be afoot. Don't worry. I don't, um, we, won't, we won't need um, any kind of mounts. Oh, this is good. Uh, mounts and Mogram do not mix very well. Honestly, that coat is so long and kind of fitted. I don't know how you'd even sit a saddle in it. I'm not sure how you move your legs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, a problem I ran into many times in my life. I prefer to be on foot. I, w- I shall return promptly. I will go to my room and, and uh, get my belongings, if you wouldn't mind waiting for just one moment. As this conversation is happening, Sylvie, now that you're not actually playing and you're using your, your minor illusion, I would imagine that you probably picked up on some of the snippets of this conversation. I would um, definitely say as soon as I am done as soon as that minor illusion is done, I will take a bow um, and scurry over to that conversation and say, Oh, uh, Orm, sir, did, did I hear that you were uh, heading out of town? Well, there's a caravan with a shipment of some goods for us. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out for a minute. I, uh, stretch, stretch my legs and, and uh, walk with these fine gentlemen for a moment. Oh, Boy, I've never seen a caravan. That sounds so exciting. Um, do you think I could come with you? I, I'm real good at, at making my own way. I can, uh, I can catch fish really well. Um, you won't have to worry about me. 
I'm sure you can follow along. I, I don't see a problem with it. Amazing. And then uh, I will go grab my stuff and uh, she will scurry upstairs and get out of this room as fast as possible. <laughs> how, how old is Sylvie? Uh, she's like late teens, early 20s. <laughs> okay. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so um, Guy now sitting alone at the bar <laughs> would be like, well, I guess I found the people who are coming with me. And I'll continue to eat my sausages and uh, hash browns. Yeah, awesome. nice. It's amazing how good things work out for really handsome people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like life is just easier if you're really handsome. Yeah. It's Everybody like, wants yeah. to do so many cool things for me. <laughs> it's like John Hamm's character on 30 Rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was so dumb. Exactly. Oh, I love so it. good looking. That's so good. Didn't he like get his hands cut off or something like that at one point? Yes. Yes. (laughs) He has hooks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. Well, very good. So you guys are all gathering uh, some things together. So we will kind of jump ahead. What all are people going to gather as you all separate? So Maugrim will go back up to his room and up there he has kind of his traveling pack, a very small hand crossbow that's more for like small darts than it is actual bolts he he grabs that and kind of throws that into his pack and then throws the flap over so it's not as obtrusive um grabs a wide black leather flat brimmed hat and throws that on his head and then uh takes up a a walking staff and before he exits the room he reaches into his inner vest pocket kind of inner vest lining and pulls out a necklace with a symbol for Kelimvor and he he mutters a really quick prayer and kind of kisses it briefly and then tucks it into his shirt and then walks out of his room to meet Guy down in the common room. Ornan, what are you going to go grab? What do you do? Ornan goes to get um, an old suit of armor and a tabard from his home village uh, deep underground. And he also brings his war pick. It's a long, um, a long pick with a very like sharply angled spike at the back end of it. And he also grabs his backpack and his backpack is huge. It is easily twice the size of him. And (laughs) when he wears it on his back, it stands probably like just shy of six feet tall. So it's, it's um, maybe two and a half feet taller over his head of just pure massive backpack, random things hanging off of it. He's got, you know, you can, see like a fishing a fishing rod sticking out one side and you know the shape of all sorts of random things inside the pack it like, jingles like, a lot makes a lot of noise you got the samwise gamgee pots and pans hanging off the side type of thing <laughs> definitely yeah. definitely awesome. awesome mr frodo <laughs> <laughs> all right and uh sylvie what all are you grabbing uh yeah sylvie doesn't have a whole lot of stuff so um she just grabs her small pack and uh, that quarter stuff that she had downstairs um, and takes that with her. But aside from that, she sort of just has a few sets of traveling clothes and the clothes on her back, and that's about it. Okay, awesome. You all meet back down in the common room, but first I wanted to ask Guy. Guy, did you, you got a, a, the letter from Nalira, um, from her son. Did you ever actually end up reading that? No, I didn't. I guess I assumed that it was a letter for him, but it was from him? Yeah, it's a letter from him explaining that he is on ah. his way. 
Yeah, let let I will while I'm waiting for everybody, I'll pull that letter out down there at the bar and I will read it to myself. Perfect. As you read it, um it I'm not going to tell you exactly what it says, but basically it's just a very basic letter that says, "Mother, I've missed you so much. I am so excited to be here in Alaron Barony and um I am coming to visit you in Berigrad. I should be arriving on the 24th of fantasy month September, <laughs> whatever. Man, no wonder he doesn't trust this kid. He sounds suspect. <laughs> really, just telling his mom he loves her. I don't want to believe it. Yes, he's like, he's like, I cannot wait to see you, and to see how my childhood home is holding up. Um, all lo- uh, with with all my love, Calden, K A L D E N. So his name is Calden. Hmm. I think I knew a Kaladin once. My my previous character was a Kaladin. I mean, Paladin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you all meet back up in the common room. The lamplighters, the acolytes of Aeona, these inquisitors, are all eating some breakfast. They're talking amongst themselves. You see there is some, um, some camaraderie, but you also, just now that you guys have known to look for it, you see that there's a little bit of, um, the two who are um, Vantorians, the ones who have the tattoos, they seem to talk more than the other one, the one who has the, the kind of the, the, the cuts, the, the old healed cuts on his arms and on his neck. Um, they talk, uh, the, those two tend to have more in common. And, um, but they, are, they, seem to be, they seem to get along well enough. It seems like watching them um, is kind of like seeing uh, comrades in arms type of thing. Uh, you would expect that maybe I'm blathering. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're doing great. No, you're good. It's the kind of thing you would expect from soldiers. That sometimes that they might um, they might have this joined camaraderie because of their um, their circumstances, but they're not necessarily great friends. Um, as you all venture out of the common room and out into the dirt streets of Barograd, um, this small town that is surrounded by pine trees and fir trees you can see mountains off in the distance you know that the caravan is off to the east and is headed this way um, probably from the uh kind of the the barony seat uh, uh, a town called redlam um, a city called redlam um, but you are all ready to go so is there anything you guys want to do before you leave town Yeah, as we come out of the all the way in. <laughs> we're going to go out and then go all the way in. Um, and then go out. We're all the way out now. As, as, we, as we come out, I'll say, oh, come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I warned everyone this was going to be a more adult campaign. <laughs> oh, jeez. As, as we come out, as we exit the building, as we exit the building, Guy will say, hold here for a minute. I'm going to get I'm going to go grab a friend of mine. And I'm going to go back into like the shadows where nobody can see me. And I'm going to say, Prancival, Vinny. And then I'm going to come walking back out with my pet corgi named <laughs> Prancival. Oh, what? Oh, my goodness. You see you this like loaf of, of bread. <laughs> you see this little <laughs> loaf of bread with these tiny little legs come wandering out with the cutest little butt. Uh, Everyone, this is Prancival. Not allowed inside and. Technically, I'm not supposed to have him, but he'll be walking with us. <laughs> Mogram scowls at the dog, looks up and scowls at Guy, looks back <laughs> at the dog and scowls again, and then kind of shrugs his shoulders and resignedly just is like, okay. 
<laughs> Sylvie did not realize that this uh, this golden yellow knight could get any more handsome, and then he busted out a corgi, and <laughs> she's just gone a little pale. Oh, gosh. I was thinking of fashioning him, uh, get, getting with a leather worker and fashioning him a little backpack so he could carry my helmet when I don't want to wear it. You know, I, I know some people. I know some people that work well with leather. <laughs> Why are you laughing at this? <laughs> well, oh, speaking gosh. of laughing, I actually heard a fantastic joke the other day. You want to hear it? Let's see if I can remember it. Okay. Yes, I love jokes. <clears throat> All right. I have big sharp teeth and I'm a treasure chest with a long tongue. Oops, I'm a mimic. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> At least this, I think that's how it went. This was not good joke. This this was terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we all remember that from the shared dream? Well, as a matter of fact, I think you would remember certain jokes that were told uh, in a small bar, a small tavern in this town of Oak Road. The tavern's name was the Bed and Barrel, and the jokester was a halfling um, dressed in motley. Is that uh, is that a common joke among these uh, these parts? I feel like I've I've heard it before. It's very funny. Honestly, I don't remember where I've heard it for the first time. I actually just remembered it last night. It's strange. Oh. Huh. This is interesting because I feel that I have recently heard this joke too, but I do not have a great recollection as to why I have heard this joke. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one performing in the uh, in the end, so it, it definitely wouldn't have been stand-up. As you guys are having this conversation, you guys are kind of walking east out of town. You cross along this long wooden bridge that cut, that spans the entire river. It's probably a quarter of a mile long. Um, you can see it's 15 feet wide pretty much the whole way. It's really well built. And you see that there are like these little these little stands, uh, these little uh, platforms that people kind of stand on the edge of the bridge and they'll fish off into the river. Um, and so there's people hanging off of it. It's, it's wide enough for carts to go uh, back and forth across the river. And you meander your way across the river and down the road here on the east side of town and out into the woods and that's where you guys are at this point as you are continuing this conversation so you've really heard that joke before oh you're the one who said it i i assumed that you uh that it was common in this part no i no honestly um i had the i had the craziest dream last night and part of that dream there was a fantastic comedian excellently voiced <laughs> um and uh he told these these jokes about about being a mimic and I don't think I said it correctly but um that's strange I had I had a similar dream but I I don't remember the the hilarity <laughs> <laughs> no I assure you I, I I think I chuckled in my sleep at, at at least one or two of them wait you had the same dream or you dreamt of well, these I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I had a dream about a man telling mimic jokes and, you know, possession and little girls and uh, there was a there was a badger. Oh yes, the badger. They they're not nearly as cute as Little Principal, but uh, they were pretty cool. 
Okay, so now um, we're, we're kind of joking around about this, but Guy is super creeped out. Yeah, so is Mogrim. And he'll say, um, he'll say, this is, um, this is, this is very strange. I don't typically dream, but to find that I have apparently shared the same dream last night with, with both of you, it's, um... I dream most nights about Gemma, but, uh, last night was different. Oh, are you and Gemma sweet on each other? Oh, um, I don't mean to give the wrong impression. I, I mean, I'd like to be, but it's, uh, it's complicated. Did, uh, did any of your dreams involve uh, something of kind of a catacombs or a cathedral or something of that nature? Yes, yes, it did. It ended there. It ended, uh, it ended horribly. It seemed very deep and, and dark. This, this does not bode well. Someone threw a dagger at a child. <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> Especially considering that the stand-up comedians seem to have everything well in hand. Well, I felt like it was justified, but man, maybe we weren't dreaming the same thing. Uh, Mogram stops in his tracks and kind of holds up his hands. He's all like, wait, 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 wait. Hold on a moment. So all of us, all four of us, had some sort of a dream last night, and we all experienced it together. W- were you were you seeing things through the eyes of a of a fairy artificer? No, I think that I, for the most part, was following the jester. Huh. I was mostly looking at the badger. I was inside a skull at some uh, that that the Kenku's hip. This is very strange. I wonder if everyone, I wonder if everyone in town had that dream. I wonder what the Inquisition was doing. They seemed to be having, they seem to have accomplished something. You think, you think they're looking into our dreams? You think they're looking into our thoughts? Can they do that? No, no, lass, just cool, cool the motors, propellers and things. As far as my understanding of what the Inquisitors are capable of, this would not be something that I am familiar with. And I have a bit of a history with the Inquisitors, and um, this would be something new. Well, I'm terribly sorry that you have a history with them. They, uh, In my experience as well, the Lampladders are more about burning those who don't fit in than actually this kind of magic. Yes, well, the darkness and depravity that the uh, that certain of the Inquisitors engage in goes far deeper than you know. Now, those Vantorians aren't quite so bad. They mostly just hunt creatures out in the wilds. Burn the occasional heretic, but yes. You, you sure, mean. you know, <laughs> as, as one does. <laughs> well, the lamps aren't going to light themselves. Well, whatever it is that is going on, I think we continue onward. Uh, I'd like to put some distance between myself and those uh, lamplighters, as you call them. Have you never heard that expression before? I've heard many expressions. Although that one is particularly clever, I will give you this. That, you know, where I I come from, where I used to reside, uh, it was pretty common to call them lamplighters. Yeah, just a, just a quick little note for everybody. I'm sure everybody, you guys all know this, but I just wanted to 
make sure that our listeners know that the Inquisition is pretty much everywhere. Um, but Beregrad's a relatively small town, and it's way off in the Alaron Barony, which is more remote, um, kind of more rural than other places. Um, so uh, the Inquisition being here in this town is is unique. Uh, that's that's uh, just just because it's such a small town. It's kind of so far out here. All right, you guys continue traveling and talking. If you guys are done conversating, yes, I said conversating. If you guys are done conversing about the dream. So I understand that wanting to leave the city for you, um, Mr. All Dressed in Black, um, but, but what about uh, Barkeep? Why are you, you seemed pretty eager as well to, to get out of town. Oh, well, we've got the caravan coming. It's uh, sometimes they need, they need a hand. With things. I rolled a seven insight, so that seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, makes makes total sense. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've stretched my legs. Hey, I, it's, it'll be good for me to get out. As a barkeep, I don't get to stretch my legs very often. Well, you, you saw the little stand we have. I've, I've got a little platform behind the bar so I can stand at it and, and be at a reasonable height above the actual bar top. Yes, I mean, that's pretty great. <laughs> so I mostly just walk back and forth. Right. Not you not stretching your legs or using your legs. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you mentioned giving them a hand. Have we noticed anything about your hands or is that still Did you mention that? Uh yeah, oh, well I think I mentioned it in the character description when, you know, briefly, okay, but I I, I must have, I must have missed it. I was looking for what I'd written down earlier. Yeah, Ornin Ornin is missing his uh left hand from the elbow down. <laughs> It's Iremiel in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> On his right arm, he's wearing a long sleeve shirt. It was rolled up, but he rolled it down um, when the Inquisitors came in. And then you, I, um, I assume as well that you had a, a perfectly logical reason for wanting to get out of that tavern once the lamplighter showed up. And I'm talking to Sylvie. Yeah. Um, yeah, yes, yes. I had, I had a good reason. Um, I. Uh, just, you know, I've never seen a caravan and I, th- I thought it would be really cool. So I just wanted to go see it. You got to make a deception check yeah. with disadvantage on that. <laughs> You've never <laughs> seen a caravan. How did you arrive in Berograd in the first place? You don't travel alone. She's a wood gnome. Uh, y- yeah, we're, we're known for traveling uh, alone. Actually, I got a 13 deception, so that's not oh, bad. That's- that's not bad. If anybody, if anybody wants to try to insight that and see, I rolled a nine. Okay, <laughs> insight. All of these explanations seem very reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Ornan got a sixteen, but he's not going to call her out on it. Right? He'll say, "Oh, she's from the forests. They, they, they don't have the same um, culture that we do." Yeah, I feel like because Ornan and I have been hanging out at the, the the bar a little bit, so I feel like we know each other. Gotcha. Would you guys have confided right. in each other some of the, some of your past or anything like that, or some of your? Not some, or is that all directly still ca- at this point? But I think that I think that uh, he definitely would have picked it up, unless if he's really oblivious. If Sylvie has been around, especially like after hours after the bar is closed, um, she might have seen some tattoos on on Ornan's arms on yeah on both of them. Okay. All right. Well, I, I don't think we should have any problems. Honestly, in the daylight, just a larger group should be enough to deter any kind of uh, 
wild creatures. Um, but I'm hoping that each of you could defend yourselves should the need arise. But if not, you can always stand behind me and I'll take my shield off and, and hold it in my, my left hand. Sylvie swoons a little bit at the chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> and I straight up, I straight up just like take my, take my, uh, my right hand, my sword hand, and I just put the visor down. oh my gosh that's so funny you are all walking east along the road heading towards uh redlam uh i mean that's still days away um but uh, i think what you had mentioned uh, maybe 10 miles uh max is what you had said key yeah uh 10 miles comes and goes the road is kind of muddy and wet because it's raining on and off here um this past couple of weeks and um 10 miles comes and goes and there is no sign of the caravan 12 miles comes and goes and there's no sign 15 miles comes and goes and it is now getting into the afternoon um, and you have still not spotted the caravan. At this point, if you don't turn around now, you will not get back to Baragrad before dark. And there's really only one road at this point, right? Between the two towns. There is. There is, yes. There is nowhere else you can think of the caravan going. Uh, at this point, yeah, 15 miles or so is how far you've traveled. And 15 miles, then turning around and coming back, like that sounds terrible. Uh, that is a very long ways to walk in one day. To go back, I mean, 30 miles total. That'd be, yeah, that, that's insane. That's that's nuts. That'd be exhausting, especially especially after um, not getting very good sleep last night. So the question is, what do you guys want to do? Do you keep pressing forward? Do you turn back? Or are you going to look for a place to settle down? Well, um, Margrim, you said you were going to continue on, so I maybe we camp with you tonight and... If you're willing, we can we can continue moving eastward and see if we can run into the caravan. But I, at this point, I'm afraid something might have befallen them. They were able to get yes. correspondence to my mistress, um, but mistress, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, that was terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe just the caravan was delayed a day or two. Yes, it seems that there are strange things that are happening here. I, of course, would, would welcome the the companionship for the evening, if you'd like. But I, I do not think that I would very quickly return to, to Barograd. Are you, so it's still kind of early in the afternoon. Are you guys going to keep pushing forward for a while, or are you guys going to stop? I think, honestly, I, I feel like we should continue pushing forward. It's It's too late at this point to make it back before nightfall so we're going to have to find a place to hunker down um so i say we keep going see if we can find any sign of the caravan and uh Prancible, um let me know if you smell anything <laughs> let me know if you smell anything out of the ordinary just, just a big tongue, like, lolling out of its mouth. Uh, very good. Okay. All right. Good boy. Yes, good boy. 
you continue to move on after 15 miles, 16 miles, 17 miles, 18 miles, 19 miles. As you hit that 20 mile mark, it is starting to get um, kind of towards dusk and you come around a turn in the road and you see a sight. You actually hear it before you arrive. You hear the sounds of horses. You hear like, oh, hey, oh, pull again, pull again. And you come around the... That's how the uh, sound horses make, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and she would know because she played Mary, Cat and, Mary Kate and Ashley's Winter Circle. I did. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, that's the... That, you hear the sounds of horses as well as grunts and moans and people pulling and people shouting. And you come around the corner and you can see what looks like... Um, Along the road, there are puddles and uh, kind of marshy areas here uh, because of the of the rain that's been happening. And you can see that uh, off to the, the the road heads um, straight east and west at this point. And there's kind of trees to the north and trees to the south. You're in a forested thicket. Um, there is um, a little bit of a rise uh, further to the north, a little uh, like a, a ten foot cliff, and then more uh, more trees and, and forest going off to the north. But on the along the road, you can see it looks like there is a tree that has fallen across the road, and then um, you see two uh, carriages that are um, kind of stopped on the road. One of them, the front one, it looks to have tried to go around the fallen tree and is now stuck in mud. You can see that one of the carriages has no horses and the other carriage has four horses that are all trying to pull this carriage out of the muck you can see that there is a uh there is this driver this um uh kind of dark clad woman up there on the carriage and she's whipping trying to get these horses yeah yeah you can see that there is this large um kind of uh grizzled looking dude with this big thick beard and you can see there are some armored folks who look like they're wearing chain shirts they got uh, weapons on them but they're also trying to get the horses to move and then you can see just a little bit off to the north kind of off the road and underneath some trees you see a small campfire being lit and you see that there are four folk sitting around the campfire watching as um these um it looks like probably the the caravanners as well as some guards are trying to get this wagon unstuck, but they're not doing they're not getting very far, at least not at this point. And you guys uh, are approaching along the road. Those horses are majestic. Oh yeah, I could I could run around with those over some little leaps. I don't even remember <laughs> what they're called. These are big. <laughs> these are big draft horses. Um, uh, these are bred to haul these carriages um, up we and down don't the road. Even come up to those horses' knees. Sabrina. No, you guys are so <laughs> tiny, so tiny. But yeah, you can see there's a group of like four people sitting around a campfire, starting to get settled for. Um, it looks like they're going to be staying here for the night potentially, as they're trying to get this one carriage unstuck. And as you guys watch, you see these four horses actually finally get this carriage up out of the mud and you see people like wiping their hands and everything and and then you hear uh, kind of the gruff guy with the beard at the front he's like all right now this time instead of trying to go around it let's use the horses and let's haul this tree out of the way and let's try to actually stay on the road this time and everyone's like yeah we, we got you Gideon okay and uh, that's what you see as you approach oh there caravan 
the gruff guy kind of turns to some of the guards, he kind of waves them off. He comes, steps forward a few feet. You can see he's got this cudgel on his waist, like a little uh, club. He puts his hand on. He's like, "I, uh, we're not looking for any trouble." Oh no! Don't. You needn't worry about any of that. We're actually here on um, at the request of the Lady Silvercrest uh, to accompany your caravan uh, into Beragrad. Yes, uh, Silvercrest. Oh, he looks back at the fire and he's like, Hey, you! you yeah, you! You're, you're Silvercrest, right? And you can see sitting up at the fire, there is this, this thin young man, probably 25, 26, um, and he's got long, dark hair, black, like the same color as Nalira. And you can see him kind of sitting. He's dressed nicely as well, sitting on a little log by the fire. And he glances up and he's like, Yes, yes, I, I'm a Silvercrest. I'm Calden Silvercrest. I, under my breath, I say, Good Lord, I'm the same age as her children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. And, I'll, and then I'll shout out and I'll say, Calden Silvercrest, your, your good lady mother has uh, requested we accompany you into Beragrad. Oh, well, it, it looks like we're stuck here for tonight, so um, it'll have to wait till the morning, I guess. But it's, it's nice of you to come. I didn't expect my mother to send help. Well, as as proof of uh, as proof of our intentions, I bear the letter that you sent her. Oh, oh, well, thank you. He kind of comes. He stands up, brushes off his pants. He comes, kind of, kind of starts walking over uh, towards you, and he holds out his hand for the letter. And I'll give it back. Wait, did Guy tell any of us about his secret motives at all, or not? Are they secret though? Well, about like so, I don't know, so, suss them out. <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, so there's 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 two there's two things right there's going to go and accompany her son back into town and there's also getting to know her son and finding out why he's coming back to town so i guess those are two different how much did you clue in everybody to okay so i will say this as far as you know widow silvercrest nalira she has a reputation for um keeping the presence of younger men Right, Paul? Would you say that's that's accurate? Yes, she does. Ornan, Ornan would have would would definitely know that. So if you know anything about her, you assume that you kind of know something about Guy's relationship. Um that's that's part one. Part two, um, I was not secretive at all about coming to accompany this caravan back at the behest of Nalira Silvercrest to bring her son into town. But the, then the third part there, which is um, trying to figure out why he's coming back into town. No, that's that's been kept you know close to the vest. Okay, that's what I was asking. Cool. He holds out his hand. He says, "I'm Calden Silvercrest, and I am Guy Guillaume of Grants Harbor." It's a pleasure. I I'm sure we'll be we'll be staying the night here. We got one wagon unstuck, but it's getting too dark to travel now. So you're welcome to our fire. My companions here can help you move that uh, tree trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Ornan was already walking towards the trunk to move it without being asked. Oh, gotcha. Gideon's like, ah, no worries. We'll we'll just hook these horses up. We'll we'll haul this log out of the road. And they start moving the horses over. You can see that the, uh, that looks like Gideon is this kind of the, the gruff guy with the big thick beard. He's got like a big smile on his face. He seems like a really nice jovial guy, but he's also big. He's intimidating just with his size. And then also the, uh, there is a uh, sort of a, she's young-ish, she's like 30. Um, she's got uh, silver hair. She's a human, uh, but she has kind of a very, um, 
Whereas Gideon is quick to smile, this other driver of the caravan is not. Um, and uh, but she also is armed as well, which you guys would know that you know there's you always got to be armed when you're traveling because you never know what's going to come out of the woods. Um, anyway, she um, she looks like she's the other driver of the caravan, and she goes and starts helping to hook the horses up to this tree to try to move that out of the road instead. Ornan, what are you doing? You're going over to help. Yeah, Ornan's going to help. He's just going to you know butt in and be like, well, I if you hook it around that way, that see that branch right there, it's a, it's a, it'll snap. You gotta, you gotta twist it around the other side. The, um, the, the uh, silver-haired uh, woman, this, uh, uh, this other driver, this kind of stern-faced woman. She looks at you. She says, she, she kind of scowls over at you, and then Gideon says, oh, "No worries, little brother. We've got this. Why don't you go make yourself comfortable by the fire?" And then he's, he's strapping up the, the horses. Um, and yeah, what's everybody else doing? I like to think that when somebody calls. Uh, Ornan Little, that's the only time he's ever not super nice and friendly. <laughs> like, why you little? Like, How dead little? Little, you call me little? He's pointedly still there and did not go yeah. to the fire. I did notice that. That's perfect. Like arms perfect. folded, just watching the work get done, like nodding your head. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Mogram just completely ignored the whole horse physical labor thing and just walked right up to the fire next to Gee. Yeah, Sylvie does not like horses, so she will follow behind Mogram um, and just kind of hang out. Yeah, perfect. As you guys approach the fire, you see Calden Silvercrest, uh, the young man with the dark black hair, um, the the person that Guy has been sent to help. You also see that the three other people who are sitting here by the fire, you see Evangeline Lily is here. <laughs> Good, I'm glad she made an I've appearance again. Her. I've missed her. Oh. She's so cool. <laughs> you also see that there is this uh, this dwarf man. They the the, the, the woman and the man and this dwarf man. They seem to be together, um, like they're um, they're traveling companions. And you see that um, as you approach the campfire, you see that one of the guards, the one of the armed men who was there helping, uh, once you guys approached, he came over and stood next to the fourth person at the fire. The fourth person at the fire is this um, this middle aged man. He's got a uh, kind of a, a white beard, and his hair is starting to turn white. But he is kind of thick faced. He's kind of um, broad across the shoulders, but he doesn't look in, like a, a labor. He looks he's dressed well. He's dressed like um, um, not like he is wealthy, but his clothes are well made. Um, uh, this is uh, somebody who does not labor for uh, for a living. Um, and you see that the guard is standing next to him. But as we get by here by the fire, uh, Prancival is uh, straight up hanging out with Sylvie. Oh okay. my gosh. Just like kind of pulling pulling on her robe a little bit, trying to get her to like play tug of war or something with, with him. I, I imagine she kind of bites onto your staff a little bit. Or, yes. or a principal kind of bites onto your staff. You're kind of like tugging yeah. with the staff and things. Yeah, very cool. I'm trying to look very professional though because, you know, I was told I was hired to help these escort these people. So I'm trying to look like an escort and the dog's kind of messing that up. <laughs> oh, and also just so that it's completely clear, there was no pay involved with any of this. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't provided any kind of uh, funds to pay you. So I appreciate you coming out of the kindness of your heart. It's fine. It's, this was more for safety and numbers. As you guys are, uh, you see that these horses, uh, the drivers and this, and this second guard, they manage to get the, the tree moved. Um, and then they take the horses over. They start getting them dressed down for the night. Um, 
giving them some oats and things like that. Uh, people start settling in around the fire. You see that this middle-aged man, kind of the, the one I mentioned who's dressed um, in nice clothing, the one who looks like he does not labor for a living, um, he, it seems that both of the guards are actually attached to him. And then um, Calden, and then this dwarven man, and then this uh, other woman, Evangeline Lily, uh, they are all just kind of sitting around the fire, pulling out some uh, some food, some you know, some trail mix or uh, some rations, whatever they have. As uh, Gideon and this other driver, her name is Ryla, as they come back over to the campfire, and Gideon says, "All right, we're gonna have to settle here for the night. So everybody, find a comfortable spot. Don't go wandering too far out in the woods, um, and uh, we'll try to get an early start in the morning so we can make it to Berigrad by the end of the day." Again, sorry for the delay. Um, as people start pulling out bedrolls and tents, um, I imagine... Well, Hey, barkeep, how many bedrolls do you have in that backpack of yours? I know of three, at least. I'll, I'll have to do some digging. I might be able to find a fourth. You, you were a Boy Scout, right? I mean, you're very prepared. Well, I like to keep a little bit of everything back here, but we didn't have scouts back in Glimhaven. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. It's uh, it's deep underground. We didn't have a Boy Scout program like they do up here. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say a joke and I decided to bite my lip. All right, as the sun continues to fall below the horizon and the shadows stretch, um, the only light after a while is the campfire as well as a few lanterns that are lit uh, over on the wagons. You can see that people start to settle in. They're not laying down or anything, but people are starting to gather around the fire, um, sharing conversation. You'd also notice that um, of the two guards, uh, one of them is always near this um, middle-aged man. Um, and then the other one will go and walk around and make sure that the caravan, the carriages are are secure. And then they will switch places. But you notice that this middle-aged man is never left alone. And as night settles in, and as the noises of the forest start to, um, start to come out, those nighttime noises, the crickets and the pop and crack of the fire, we are going to stop there for tonight so you guys can have your first night out in the woods when we return. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, <laughs> I'm not big on camping. I love that our first like real encounter in the other campaign, there was also like a log in the middle of the road. Was there? Oh, there was. Yes, yes. there was. <laughs> it's yeah. like kind of a very convenient D&D uh, starter. <laughs> You're going to have to do that every campaign now it's a little different though it's a little different well and you know the logs in the road that's a big deal when you're when you're when you have wooden wheels um i'm just giving you a hard time no i know i know it's all good all right you guys well hey thank you for playing tonight uh to or next time we get together we'll see what happens don't forget we have our discord you can come and chat with us about this latest campaign share with us some of your theories about the different characters maybe what their class is what their backgrounds are what is kind of going on behind that plague doctor's mask? All that fun stuff. He's smoking pot in there. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> He's just got a water bong in the, in the break of it. Oh my gosh. He's just hanging around. Don't worry about it. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.